Well, good morning. Thank you for coming today. Uh, Branch Life, just want to remind you, today is the last day or the first and the last day to order those Branch Life, either the T-shirts or the decals. Remember, 100% of the profit will go to Heal Our Patriots. That's through Samaritan's Purse. It's all about helping those who have served and their families deal with either uh, disability or injury or mural problems or just anything. You know, they, they witness to them. It's faith-based. So if you want to support that and you want a T-shirt or a decal, just make sure you fill out the order forms and get that to Adivy today. Uh, Christmas decorations, we're going to be putting those up at 4 o'clock if you can make it out. Adivy and I will be here, and we'd love to have you help us out and, and decorate for Christmas. Um, Change of Life Jar is in the foyer out there. Next Sunday will be the last day for that. Then Brian's going to take it either that Monday and get it counted and everything, and then we'll distribute it to the two families that we have in mind that the board picked to help out. So if you want to give to that Change of Life Jar, next Sunday will be the last time. And then I also wanted to thank you for the shoeboxes, for everybody who did one of those. What an awesome ministry to just show somebody around the world that, hey, there are people that care about you. And not only that, but, hey, we're, we're interested in your salvation. We're interested in you knowing Jesus Christ and what he did for you. So they will disciple those kids, and we're excited to partner with them about that. All right. Two more things. Uh, today we have a guest. Mike Leonard is here with us. And, Mike, thank you so much for coming. We're excited to see you. Mike's been pastoring over 20 years, well over 20 years. And most recently, he's been with Adult and Teen Challenge, serving in that ministry with his wife. So we're excited to hear what God has laid on his heart uh, today for for all of us. And be in prayer for the service, of course. Um, and a number of you were asking... Some of you have brought cards. You can either, for Mike, you can either put those in the plates back there. You can give them to him directly. You can write on your tithe envelope or on the offering envelope for Mike, and we'll get those to him. We'll get it all counted and, and get everything to him today. So if you're interested in do that, just put it back there on the, the places where the offering plates are right there. All right. Well, as you know, this is the first Sunday of Advent, a time when we start to you know, kind of officially remember what Christmas is about, what Christmas is really about. I don't know about you, but I kind of get annoyed with how Christmas just gets all commercialized and it's all about giving gifts and, and everything like that. So Advent is a way to kind of fight back against that and to just really remember what this season is about, what what Christmas is all about. So I made an Advent calendar for you. And on every day, there's a scripture verse that you can read or a few scripture verses that you can read and it'll help draw your attention. So I would encourage you to do this at dinner time with your families. Just read it before or, or read it after and then just kind of have a little discussion about that. So every day has it up until Christmas and then on Christmas you read the story of the birth, Luke 2, 1 through 20. And then the rest of the week, the rest of the month, I just, have, I just put the Romans road on there. Just a reminder about salvation, and then the last day is a call to discipleship. So uh, I would encourage you, they're in the back there on either side. Just grab one of those calendars. You can read them with your family and uh, do that. So I'm going to pray for the service, and then we're going to invite Nathan and Jerry up to do the first candle of the Advent. So would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you. Uh, 
for what you did for us, Lord, and we give you all praise and, and honor for that. Lord, um, I hope that today and every day that we look to you, um, not just with this season and remember that, but uh, in every day that we dedicate our lives to you in honor of your sacrifice, Lord, and all that you've done for us. Let us be mindful of that and um, live our lives in response to that, Lord. Uh, Father, I pray for this service that you would just be glorified and that our hearts and our our minds and our attention would just be focused in on you. Lord, I'm sure that there are things that people are dealing with, and uh, I pray that you would give us opportunities as a church to to reach out to those people, and I pray that those people would let those needs be known to us so that we can respond. Uh, Lord, help us to be looking in our community and beyond. Lord, give us opportunities to share your love with people every day. And help us to be mindful of that and praying for that. Lord, we give you all praise and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Nathan and Jerry, if you'd come up. The first candle symbolizes hope and is called the prophet's candle. The prophets of the Old Testament, especially Isaiah, waited in hope for the Messiah's arrival. The purple color symbolizes royalty, repentance, and fasting. Luke 1, 26-38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Good morning, everybody. I told you I would be back again. Did you remember? Do you remember what I'm up here for? Okay. Um, We have to make this announcement for two weeks. Uh, The church board met with District Superintendent Wendell Brown on November 17 to discuss the church 
the direction the church should go as we strive to secure the next lead pastor for our congregation. In the course of our conversation and much prayer, the board unanimously voted to present to the congregation the Reverend James Palmridge to become our lead pastor. In keeping with the Church of the Nazarene, our congregation will vote to extend a call to Reverend Palmridge on December 6th. In the Church of the Nazarene, the call is initially for two years, and the subsequent subsequent renewal calls are for four years. During the time before the vote, please feel free to ask any questions of the board or Reverend Palmridge, as we want you to feel empowered to vote as the Lord directs you. This is in Christ, Reverend Wendell Brown, District Superintendent, North Central High District Church of the Nazarene. Okay, do you all know who the board members are? So if you do have any questions, okay, I, I guess you need to know people in order to go by their names. But um, Brian Howard, Brenda Daniel, Alice Whittington, Sharon Kaiser, George Kaiser, Carol Tussin, um, Net. Sherry Arden, Nathan Starlin. Okay, and you know who Reverend Palmer is. So um, next week, December 6th, will be our vote, and you do need to be a member of the congregation in order to vote. I know some of you are um, attendees all the time and get involved and so forth, but that's just the rule in the church manual. So, thank you. All right, would you stand with me as we get ready to praise and worship? My hope is built on nothing in Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but only trust in Jesus' name, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the same. on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the 
Oh 
Sing. 
pause before I came up here because I was in deep thought and just thinking about that song and an advent. I was just thinking about how creation just mimics God. God made creation so beautiful and perfect and he did it on purpose. The stars are so numerous and the universe is endless just to represent him. He is endless. He is forever. He is always. And then the earth and the heart of it all we're his heart. So it just, it just baffles me. I was just, <laughs> just lost in thought, praising him. And I was thinking about all the change that's going on in our church and so many lives and in the world, the chaos. But God doesn't just bring change just to baffle us. He brings change for a reason. He brings change to wake us up and move us forward. Don't ever come complacent and, and set in your ways. He wants us to keep moving, keep growing. I'm thinking about Pastor Mike. And it seems like a tragedy that's come upon him, yes, losing a teen challenge. But what does God have in store for him? What does God want him to move forward towards? I know that Pastor Mike isn't, isn't just going to stay still. God is going to use him, and he's going to move him forward for his glory, for his kingdom. And whatever's going on in your lives, Corey, thank you for being here. And for those who are struggling, God's using you for something. Seek him. Don't stay in that struggle. He wants you to turn to him. Turn to him for strength. Pray. And praise him for this change in your life. No matter how hard it is, whatever pain it is, he can heal it. If you let him, and it may not be the healing that you're seeking, but it's a healing that he wants for you, and it's going to be awesome. You know it is. God, I ask for your presence in this church, in this service, in every heart. If there's people struggling right now, I just pray that they will turn to you, that they will grow, that they will seek your will, that whatever trial and tribulation is going on, that they will be moved by you. Please, Holy Spirit, guide our pastor today. Let your truth be spoken through him. And I ask that we go forward into the week living out these words, living out your truth, being lights in this world, in a world so full of darkness. For your glory, for your name, amen. Good morning. There we go. Now we're hot. It's a delight to be with you today. Uh, for those who I haven't met, my name is Mike Leonard. I've uh, been director, as has been alluded to, at Adult and Teen Challenge of the Firelands since 2014. 
my beautiful wife, Lisa, she snuck in. She's over here on the far side. Uh, together, we moved to Willard in that wonderful winter of 2014. Do you remember that? I hope, I hope uh, the weather report isn't uh, an indication of another one of those winters coming. But um, we, uh, we've had a delightful time, and Willard is a good place to call home. Um, we, uh, uh, I guess, need to give you kind of an update on what's happened with Teen Challenge. Um, for those who don't know what it is, it's a Christ-centered uh, discipleship program for here in Willard. It was for women overcoming addiction issues. It's a one-year residential ministry at the old Willard Healthcare Center. Uh, kind of give you the back story. That building uh, was identified by the Huron County Starfish Project as being available. Trilogy Healthcare was willing to donate it, but it had to be given to a corporation. And uh, Starfish hooked up the Youngstown Teen Challenge with Trilogy, and the building was given to them back in, I think it was 2013. Well, they recruited us to come. Uh, this is our 15 challenge that we've operated. And uh, the, the CEO of Ohio Valley Teen Challenge in Youngstown was an old friend. He said, I want you guys to come renovate the building and operate it for us. And in a couple years, uh, we'll just let it go independent. You know, initially, you'll be under our 501c3. But in a couple years, you can get your own 501c3 and be independent. Well, the board had a different idea. The, the board of their ministry decided that they didn't want to let that property go. It's kind of what, in a nutshell, what happened. Um, and my friend ended up having to retire. His wife passed away due to renal failure. And uh, a new CEO emerged who had a whole different vision. And he started moving things more towards the licensed, clinical, billable Programming, which we weren't opposed to on the front end, um, but there was more in play. They opened a women's center in Youngstown about 18 months ago, and they took over our communications account. Uh, and all of a sudden, all of our intakes started going to guess where? Youngstown. And uh, we went from having a full house, which Dawn knows she used to be over there, the place was jam-packed with ladies, and all of a sudden we were down to five people uh, when COVID hit, and uh, we weren't getting new intakes. Um, We got a call the day after Easter stating that because of COVID and because of low numbers, et cetera, they were going to temporarily shut us down and reevaluate what the future might look like. Well, Eventually, they said they did not want to reopen the Willard Center under Ohio Valley Teen Challenge, uh, but we were free to try to do what we wanted to do to get realigned. So we tried to partner with Teen Challenge out of Toledo, which is more of a discipleship-based ministry, and uh, Jim Detwar was actually helping us through that process, and there were about 10 uh, heavily invested local people who went over to Youngstown and met with their management team along with a gentleman out of Toledo and said, we want our building back. This was given to the city of Willard to help people with addiction. 
And uh, they, they said, we'd like to be able to realign under Teen Challenge out of Toledo. And um, they said, well, well, we'll pray about it. And you give us a business plan. So a business plan was submitted. And they said, we'll bring it up at a future board meeting. Well, as far as I know, that board meeting has never occurred yet. And we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. And the word is they're trying to sell the building, which is, is wrong. It's heartbreaking, uh, as you all know. I mean, that belongs to this city. And Don and some others who were telling me earlier this morning, we're going to pray that they can't sell that building. So join us and believe God that, that we'll be able to get that building back. We're going to believe for that. I have a donor who's already said they would give $50,000 to help towards getting that building back in our hands. Don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen? And uh, let's believe God together for a, a, a great future. Um, I will give you a couple of good stories before I move along. And that is that a couple of hundred ladies heard the gospel over there uh, over the course of six years. We had over 65 women complete that entire one-year Christian discipleship program. And many of those ladies are doing well today. I'll tell some other stories throughout the course of my message this morning. But let me tell you one, it's kind of a, an interesting story. This young lady was arrested, uh, interstate trafficking of heroin. Um, and her father called and said he wanted her to come to us. And uh, she was a squirrel, if you know what I mean by a squirrel. She was just all over the place. And she came from a good home. But uh, that young lady ended up going through the program, working for us for three years. Now she's a married woman, married to a state adult parole officer, and they own a new home in Avon. I mean, to God be the glory, you know. <laughs> um, we, we get discouraged from time to time, like anybody, and, but that's one of the beauties of Facebook. You can see pictures, and uh, four of our graduates were together recently on Facebook, and all four of these women had been heroin addicts. And they were all smiling from ear to ear, one holding her new baby. They were just laughing and cutting up. And that's why we all did what we did. You know, it's not about the building as much as we want it to be. It's about people. And those lives go on. And they're touching other lives. And uh, those other 50 or 60 women are touching lives. And there are some girls that didn't finish the program, but they got saved eventually, and now they're serving God and they're touching lives. Thank you for praying with us as you did over the years, investing in us, helping us to impact lives. And I'll probably tell a few more stories before I wrap it up here today. But I'd like to turn to my message, and I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I will start with the New Living, but I'm an old school person who memorized King James, so you'll probably hear all kind of translations come out of this mouth before it's over with, but I'm going to read the New Living for clarity in this text. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 4. I hear pages turning, so I'll give you a minute, and I'm going to take a sip of water here real quick. Um, Philippians 4.4 4 says to 
always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. I think it's a great text for the time that we're living in, all the things that are going on around us, because these are perilous and troubled and confusing times. The good news is the tomb is empty. I don't care what the, the morning news said, the tomb is empty. And the gospel is still real. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. We're living in a time where it's, it's, the stage is set for a great harvest. A great incoming of souls because of the darkness and the confusion that's reigning all around us. We can choose to listen to those voices of fear and confusion and darkness, or we can keep our minds stayed on Him. It's a choice. What are we going to think about? What are we going to meditate upon? Perhaps you can identify with me in this illustration. Um, You've made up your mind to think and say and do what's right. And somebody yells, oh, there's breaking news on the TV. Or your cell phone will start belching out some kind of garbage, right? And about the time you think, I've, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine. And you go up to Drug Mart and all of a sudden you can see fear-filled eyes just above a mask. And somebody will come running up to you and go, did you hear what's going on now? Am I telling the truth? That's the kind of world we're living in right now. We have to choose to keep our minds stayed on the Lord and his truth. Our text gives us some powerful tools to help us walk in victory in God's peace, even in today's media age. I believe the Bible is full of principles. Um, Verse 4 says, be full of joy in the Lord, or rejoice. When I was a new believer, which was a long time ago, we used to sing from the King James, rejoice in the Lord always. Anybody know that song? And again, I say rejoice. That's how it says it in the King James. It says, be full of joy in the Lord. And that begs the question, so how do you do that? How do you stay full of joy in the Lord, in the world that we live in today. I think you think and you remember who and what you have. That's the game changer right there. What do you have? Who do you have? I have Jesus. 
I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. My sins are forgiven. My name has been been written in the Lamb's book of life. What do you have? You've got something to be full of joy in the Lord about. You have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you if you're a believer today. You have the promises of God, and this book is full of them. We have the family of God. Look around you. You're not alone out there serving the Lord. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember when I was in drugs and alcohol, I thought I was a big shot, had all kinds of friends. But you know, when the money ran out, the friends ran out. But today I have friends all over the world because I'm part of the family of God. And you do too. You you may not have the same contacts I do, but you have people that you're connected to in the spirit. We have plenty that we can rejoice about, to be full of joy in the Lord about. We have, uh, you know, above all, when this life is over, Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. We tend to forget that in today's modern world. It wasn't about just time. It's about eternity, and we get to be with God forever. <laughs> I'm kind of on that season, that side of life. I'm like, uh, it's not too far down the road now. <laughs> and uh, the day's coming when I'm going to see Jesus. And that's my faith will become sight. Friends, we can stay full of joy in the Lord when we remember who we have and what we have in him. I've watched people buy fancy things and watch them rust and be repossessed. and all. You've seen it. I, uh, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We have a city prepared of God that's waiting for us. I love reading about it in the book of Revelation. It's beyond my comprehension, but it's a place prepared for us of God. So we can be full of joy in the Lord when we meditate on who and what we have. I can't think about these things without getting happy. I can start shouting in a minute when I start thinking about who and what I have. Because like many of you, I've battled depression the last six months. I've battled all that. But when I get my mind off of that and over here, I was like, "Woo! I belong. I'm a child of the king. My father loves me. I'm blessed. And uh, I I hope you feel the same way about it. Verse 5 of of that text that we read says, Let everyone see that you are considerate and moderate in all that you do. Moderation meaning thoughtful of the rights and feelings of others. In some ways, I think he's alluding a little further back than where I read today. He talks in verse 2 of chapter 4 about two sisters, I think it's Judea and Sintash, who worked with him, and, and they were in strife. I think he was saying, hey, ladies, come on, let's get over it. Get over yourself. Stop your fussing. And it isn't just ladies, but he's saying, stop your fussing. Let's work together for the glory of God. Let's put our differences behind us. You know, all Christians are saved by grace 
and faith in the same God. We may have different personalities, giftings, and callings, but we're made out of the same stuff. And uh, there's only one God, there's no big eyes or little U's. And we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I think that's what he's trying to say to them. Hey, I know you have a different perspective on this, but let's work together for Jesus. Let's lift up Christ. Let's exalt the name of the Lord. And then the part B of that verse is something that's largely been forgotten today too. He says, and remember, Jesus is coming soon. Or the Lord is coming soon. When I first got saved, I really had hair. I mean, and it was long, long, and my beard was too. And I was what you call a dippy hippie. Um, I was living and I went to Arizona, running away from responsibility like so many people did in the 1960s and 70s. Um, My friend told me on the way, we went to Arizona, and my friend said, uh, we were going to stay with his brother. He said, my brother's into Jesus, but he won't bother us. (laughs) And we pulled into Prescott, Arizona, and he goes, praise the Lord. I thought, I drove 2,000 miles to run into a bunch of Jesus freaks. And they had street meetings, uh, and they took me to a coffee shop, and they had a big banner across the back said, Jesus is coming. And I elbowed this guy. I said, hey, Jesus already came. He said, he's coming again. Scared the stuff out of me because I was living like the enemy. Um, But, you know, that's a doctrine that was very much preached 40 years ago. They had us thinking he could come before we got to the parking lot in a lot of churches. Would you agree? Jesus is coming today. Everybody was scared. But now it's kind of just gone away. You don't hear much about the second coming of Christ. But nonetheless, he's coming. He's coming soon. I think the enemy has done his best to cover up important doctrines, to keep the church from thinking about what's really real. But Christ is coming soon with power and great glory. And that's a doctrine that we need to revive and and, and tell our children that it's not over when, when the world says it's over. Christ is coming. He's going to split the eastern sky. And he's coming to receive his own unto himself. I'm looking forward to that day when I get to see Jesus. Verse 6 says, and again, here's where you're going to see a a couple of different translations at play. Verse 6 says, don't worry. Or another one says, don't be anxious. Another says, don't fret. Good old King James says, be careful for nothing. It says, don't worry. So why shouldn't we worry? First of all, because God says so. God tells us not to worry. And it also consumes energy, it steals joy, it undermines faith, and it wastes time. Would you agree? We're not supposed to spend our life in worry. Bill Gothard, a a gentleman who did these seminars back in the 70s and 80s, used to tell us, worry is assuming responsibility God never intended for us to have. And I believe that. We are supposed to cast our cares on him and believe that he cares for us. He'll take care of those things. And 
bear with me for just a moment. Let me say this lest I botch it. Instead of letting your flesh autopilot you into carnal actions and reactions, program and train your heart and mind to be God-centered instead of living in fear, worry, and fretting. There's a lot of things in life that we set ourselves to do. This is a very important thing, that we set ourselves that we're going to honor God with our lives and not allow the flesh to pull us around because this world is operating, uh, 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 broadcasting a spirit of fear 24-7. And we need to make up our minds, I'm going to listen to God and not the spirit of the age. I am going to do that. Have you noticed that whatever you focus on gets bigger? You can focus on the evening news and about have a coronary before you go to bed. Or you can focus on the cross and think about the love of your Savior. You can focus on the principles of Scripture and start seeing how you can get from here to there by the power of the Holy Spirit. How God can get you over that mountain that's staring you down. Whatever you focus on gets bigger. And God wants us to focus on him. I I have to look up and, and look to God and look at him and call upon him and believe him and trust him and praise him and thank him and worship him. Have you noticed when you start doing those things, that other stuff just falls off? You can be all weighted down with fear and worry, but when you redirect your attention, all of a sudden the burdens roll off. And you have joy bells ringing in your heart again because you're thinking about eternity instead of the here and now. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and be sure to thank him for all that he has done. I've got so many things to be thankful for. Three wonderful children, a beautiful wife, years of ministry, so many wonderful friends. I I can't underscore enough how good Willard has been to us. Like we bought a home over on Kennedy Drive and, uh, you know, we're from Cincinnati. We're used to big city living. And at first I struggled with, how am I going to do this? (laughs) But I'll tell you what, I'm glad I don't live in Cincinnati anymore. I feel peace when I come down through Celeryville. I'm almost home. I feel safe here. I don't have to pull my gun out and lay it on the seat. (laughs) I'm okay. God is on the throne. (laughs) Well, we need to tell God what we need. I need to see him some days. There are days when I can't see anything but fog. I need to see him. I need to hear his voice. I need to discern what to do. As our sister said of me earlier, I need to know what I'm supposed to do because I'm too young to die. I'm not ready to roll over and quit yet. And my wife keeps preaching that message too. We've got plenty left to do. We serve a big God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got a future and a hope for all of us. We need to discern what to do. Maybe what we need from God is just to say, God, help me to control my emotions. You ever have days like that? When you're in road rage mode? No, none of, nobody else ever has that problem. Uh, 
Help me to get my attitudes and thoughts in line with your attitudes and your thoughts. Perhaps you're like me. Some days your greatest prayer need is, Lord, help me to keep my big mouth shut. I have that struggle from time to time. That's a real prayer request. Tell him what you need. (laughs) Cry out to the Lord and be sure to thank him and praise him. And I want to list some things. We need to thank him for his presence. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. So that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men will do unto me. He said he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age in Matthew 28. Thank you for his promises, which are yes and amen, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank him for his power in in Ephesians 6. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to thank him for his provision. He said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you, we have not received a payroll check since April 17th, but God. Jehovah Jireh is indeed a good provider. God has provided for us in so many different ways. And I just, I thank you for your thoughtfulness, those of you that have have handed me things this morning and those who have a heart to help us. God is good. You can't outgive God. And he's just amazed me. I've gone to my mailbox and there's checks from other states and all over the place. Didn't ask for it. It's just God's people. God has a way of taking care of you and me. And here's a verse. Be, Be sure to thank him for his peace. I'm back to King James now, folks. Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. I'd like to read a few testimonies from the Psalms, some meditations that are worth thinking about. Psalm 28 and 7, The Lord is my strength, my shield from every danger. I trust in him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Psalm 40, verse 17. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord is thinking about me now. Isn't that reassuring? You are my helper and my savior. Do not delay, O my God. And many of you know this from Isaiah chapter 41. God says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Have you noticed throughout Scripture, God says something like, if you will, I will? That seems to be a theme throughout the Bible. If you do this, I'll do that. Verse 7 clearly says, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. What verse 7 am I talking about? Don't worry about anything. If you do this, God will take care of the other things. John 14, 27, Jesus told us, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. In the King James, Jesus simply said, my peace I give to you. God's peace 
is better than a bank account. Hallelujah. It's better than a 401k. And I'm not making light if you've been on the roller coaster run this year. But God's peace is so much better than all of that. It's better than a drug. We had a lot of girls tell us, oh, I just thought if I could just hit that thing one more time, everything would be fine. Then I almost lost my mind after I hit that thing or dropped that or whatever. It's better than stuff. Have you noticed people that think if I can just get that one more piece of furniture, I'll be happy. But then there's just one more piece after that they've got to have to be happy. God's peace is better than stuff. And God's peace is better than alcohol. Some of us know about that. It's a deceiver. It tells us just drink this and everything will go away. And then you're sicker than a dog the next day. God's peace is better than the cessation of human conflicts. How many times in our lifetime have we heard there's a new peace agreement signed in the Middle East and by morning they're shooting guns and bombs are going off again. Uh, The beauty is that God's peace is eternal. God's peace is spiritual. God's peace is free. You don't have to pay for it. You just have to come and call upon the name of the Lord and obey God's principles. When the, when the Lord and his word are our focal point and mindset, his peace and presence will guard our hearts and our minds. Have you ever read Psalm 34, 7? The angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him, and that angel delivers them. I'm so grateful to know that there's a bigger one that's watching my house and my heart and my life. I have peace. Because of that. I'm moving along to verse 8. He tells us to fix your thoughts on certain things. And I'm back to my King James here. He says, fix your thoughts on whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. First of all, what's true? God's word is true. Thy word is forever settled in heaven, God said in Psalm 119, verse 89. When Jesus was praying his high priestly prayer, he said, Father, sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. He says to fix our thoughts on what is honest and honorable, right and just, free of deceit and lies, if you will, something that's sincere and Filled with integrity and often it's authentic. The Lord hates cheating, Proverbs says, but he delights in honesty. I know we live in a world full of hustlers and schemers and dreamers, people that are always trying to make a buck and do things this way or that way. I know there's corrupt preachers and all that, but let's focus on the good people. I mean, you can always find a crook. (laughs) Don't have to look very far to find crooks, but you can find good people too. There's good business people right here in our town. There's good preachers right here in our town. We need to focus on the good folks, the good stories, and, uh, and, and, and meditate on what's honest. Has anybody ever read the book of, of uh, The Greatest Generation by Tom Brokaw? That's one of my favorite books. 
talks about the World War II generation. When I need some inspiration, I start thinking about that generation, those wonderful people that sacrificed so much so that we could sit here today free. There's so many wonderful stories that we can dwell on rather than the crooks on Wall Street or the crooks here or the crooks there. There's good stories. And I like to think about wonderful Christian people. I saw some of them this morning who were here early setting up sound, who were greeting people at the door, the faithful people of God who were doing their business like clockwork. You know, you're to be commended for your faithfulness to the worship team and to Sunday school and to pastoring and all these things, those who work in the office. I mean, those are a lot of unsung heroes I just mentioned. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of people that just do it because they love God and they're worth, uh, to me, they deserve a pat on the back. There's, there's good stuff, good people. I want to tell you about a couple friends of mine, couples that we know uh, that you won't hear about on the evening news. They're missionary couples. One is from Ohio and the other's from Kentucky. The one from Ohio, the couple's names are Dave and Marie Turner. They went to Guatemala to start a teen challenge. And Dave and Debbie Amsler are children's missionaries in Guatemala. But because of COVID, everybody's locked down. They can't do what they went there to do. But they have um, an internet and they have contacts. And, you know, there are people starving in Guatemala and they just had the hurricanes and all that stuff. These folks are using their connections to get thousands and thousands of dollars flowing into Guatemala to feed the starving, to take care of the impoverished people there. You don't hear about that on the evening news, but there's good people doing good things. Do you know when they they said in California you couldn't have church anymore? And there was a young man who ran for Congress in the primary this year. His name's Sean Foyt. He, he, he's in from California, and, and he decided, well, we can't go to church. I'm going to the beach in San Diego. And he got a band together. And they gathered on the beach, and 4,000 people came out to worship Jesus. Well, you can't do that. Well, we're outside. And uh, my wife and I had to go to California this year because our son was injured, and we saw tens of thousands of people along the coast. But you couldn't go to church. But they were out on the beaches. So he decided to take God out to the beach. And then, of all places where you surely couldn't take God, he went to Portland. And had church right in the street. He was baptizing people in the river in Portland. And then he went to Seattle. This guy's got a, he's got a screw loose. But he went to Seattle and they said, you can't have church in this park. We're going to put up a fence to keep you out. So he just did it in the street. I mean, they have riots everywhere, but they told him he couldn't, couldn't have church in the park. So they led all kinds of people to Christ there. He was just recently at Edgewater Park in Cleveland. He's been all over the country. And you don't hear a whole lot about it, but there are people that are making a difference for God. Encouraging people who don't normally get out and worship. Let's go outside and praise the Lord. They were on the mall in Washington recently doing this and lifting up the name of Jesus Another story of a missionary that I think bears repeating is a fellow named Mark Buntain. He was a, a radio broadcaster with a silver 
voice. They say he was just perfect. God called he and his wife Hulda to go to Calcutta many, many, many years ago. We're talking probably 50 or 60 years ago. They're, they're with Christ now. But they spent their life on the streets of Calcutta. Their ministry goes on. It's called Mission of Mercy. I went to a conference 40 years ago. That's how old I am now. Uh, as a new believer, and there are all these star-studded Christians up there on this platform, and it was a packed-out house. There was a man sitting there, and I thought, I wonder who that humble little man is over there. He just looked out of place with all these big shots. And then they announced it was time for the keynote speaker to come up. And he was the, the little old man in the corner. He was the real big shot. It was Dr. Mark Buntane. This man who had a marvelous voice. They handed him the microphone. He goes, it's so good to be with you here today. All the way from Calcutta. This man who had a, a speaker's voice. But he lived in that putrid era of Calcutta all those years. Winning lepers and children to Christ. There's good stories, folks. And every denomination has a Mark Buntane or somebody like that whose story can be told and needs to be uh, thought about. The good things that God is doing around the world. He says, think about the things that are pure. And let me say, things that are not mixed or adulterated with other substances. Things that are complete, free from sin, good and wholesome, without malice or evil intent. In today's world, one of our biggest challenges is getting people to stay true to the Word of God. People want to mix things with the Bible. They, they act as if uh, you can just pick and choose like a smorgasbord at, at Golden Corral. Oh, yeah, I'll take that and forget that. I hear young people say, I I believe in Jesus and I believe in the cross, but all those rules in the Bible, nah, they're not for me. 2 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Today, the most popular religion, if you will, is universalism. And can I say it's all roads lead to God? Not. That's what's being promoted in our culture. Uh, We've come a long way from the days where the Bible was the centerpiece of the home. Um, But but we, we have an apostasy that's going on around us. But we don't have to live in apostasy. We can live in revival. We can live in faith. We can live in accordance with the word of God. And I'm coming in for a landing. He says, fix your thoughts on what is lovely, admirable, and of good report. I'm going to give you a few more good stories before I conclude. Back in April, they were, they were a novel thing, but they kind of got common now, the blue signs. Heroes work here. I love those signs. We have a lot of first responders that deserve a lot of credit. People that have laid their lives down, risked themselves to help us. Our military are people that deserve credit. I don't know how many were out at the Flags of Honor last year in the park. That was one of the most moving things I've ever been to in my life with the Gold Star families. 
our police officers have been taking a hard hit across the nation. But I want to commend a police officer and tell a story about a Willard police officer, Officer Hall. Some of you may know him. But uh, we had a girl who came to us on January 1st, 2015 from Barberton. This girl had died and was brought back with Narcan. She had been with us about a week, and she got restless. And that's, It was another one of those terrible winters, and it was 10 below zero. And I saw her walking up 99 by, towards MTD, carrying suitcases, you know, just strutting along, knee-deep snow. And I rolled down my window. I said, are you sure about this? And she went, gave me one of those looks. You have to work with these. But Don knows what I'm talking about. She's dealt with some of them. But anyway, long story, this girl knew how to throw her shoulder out of place so she could get narcotics. And she was trying to get up to Willard Mercy to try to get narcotics. And our staff called ahead and said, don't give her narcotics. She sat there all day long and tried and tried and tried to work the, the, the emergency department to give her narcotics. Finally, Officer Hall walked in there about 10 o'clock at night. I think he'd been in and out throughout the day and said, okay, honey, you have three choices, ma'am. You can go back to Teen Challenge. I can take you to the homeless shelter in Sandusky, or I'll take you to jail. Your choice. And we didn't normally take girls back in but we had agreed in consultation with her brother, who was a pastor, we'll take her in tonight, isolate her from the group, and then deal with her in the morning. Sheriff Howard had called me. He goes, I don't want to see any more dead kids. It's too cold. So anyway, Officer Hall uh, said she wants to come back. So we took her back. The next morning, that lady gave her life to Jesus Christ. She's a Christian today. She's a married woman lives in Barberton, attends a church, and is just doing well, has a good job. What I'm trying to tell you, uh, this officer went out of his way to do the right thing. We have wonderful policemen here in Willard, and they deserve uh, our credit. I tell you, that I'm coming in with a couple more stories. I, I, sorry, am I boring you with these stories? David Wilkerson, anybody know that name? David Wilkerson was the founder of Teen Challenge. Pastor Little Church in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania, back in 1957, I think, in 58. And he was looking uh, at his TV every night, and God told him, turn off your TV and pray more. Kind of like what I'm preaching. <laughs> Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. God told him to pray more. So he was praying, he turned his TV off. And he saw a Life magazine, which was like a, an 11 by 17 magazine back in the day. And it had a story about some boys who had killed somebody in Brooklyn, New York. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and help those boys. So he got in his car and drove to Brooklyn, New York. Actually went to Manhattan, walked into the courtroom. And there's a classic picture of David with a bow tie and, and a trench coat on and a 50-pound Bible. And he walks into the courtroom while the court proceedings are going on. It's packed full, holding this big Bible over his head. Say, Your Honor, I'm a minister of the gospel. I want to say something. And they threw him out. They threw it. Bailiff, get him out of here. 
So they drug him out of the courtroom. And he was kind of heartbroken. He thought, God, you told me to come here. God says, go over where those kids are from. So David went over into Brooklyn where these kids, these heroin addicts and prostitutes were from. And he, he was just walking around trying to build relationships, trying to figure out how could anybody live in this world. And somebody yelled, hey, preach. And he turned and they said, hey, cops hate you and they hate us too. Let's be friends. And out of that came the ministry of Teen Challenge. He started winning drug addicts and prostitutes to Christ in Brooklyn. Today, there's over 250 teen challenges across the nation, over 1,000 around the world, because one man cut in his old 55 Chevrolet and drove to uh, New York City. And uh, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people have gotten free because somebody obeyed God. You know, there are stories worth being told. And there's one last one of a 12-year-old boy who was abandoned in a park in St. Petersburg, Florida by his mother. His name was Bill Wilson. I don't know if any of you know who Bill Wilson is, but he was abandoned. A day or two later, uh, a man walked up to him from a local church and said, son, you look terrified. He said, my mom's gone. I don't don't know where she went. He said, "I'm, I'm hungry and... This guy took him home with him, fed him, and took him to church camp. He got saved. He became a part of their local church, stayed with this guy, ended up going to Bible college, and went back home, started a children's ministry in his church, then ended up going to Davenport, Iowa, and, and building a bus ministry with 47 buses in Davenport, Iowa, taking kids to Sunday school. And then God moved this man to Brooklyn, New York and showed him that vast harvest field of fatherless children. He's been there since the early 1980s. And uh, when we visited there in the late 80s, they were running 50 buses, three services on Saturday. And thousands and thousands of children. They'd had like catering trucks. They'd go out on the sidewalks and do sidewalk Sunday schools. That thing has been replicated all over the world. He's now the head of Metro World Child, and they have ministered to millions and millions of people around the world. What am I saying? The power of one life. One man, a 12-year-old boy, abandoned. To most people, it would have been the end of the world. But Jesus got involved, and he began to pray and seek the face of God. What am I saying? There's good stories. There's good future ahead for the people of God. We shouldn't worry about anything. We should pray about everything. We need to think on these things, he said, and the God of peace will be with us. I close with these thoughts, folks. Do we just say amen only to walk out to our car and start doing this all over again? Or go home Start watching the news? Or do we make up our mind? I'm going to live differently. I am not going to worry about things. I'm going to pray about things. I'm going to change my mindset. Um, I think we need to resolve and commit to detox our brains and hearts. Uh, According to Ephesians 5.26, sanctify and cleanse ourselves with the washing of water by the word. 
We need to resolve and commit to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, according to Hebrews or Romans 12 and 2, and to begin to filter what we see and read and listen to, being sensitive to our conscience, our disturbed peace, or the still small voice of God. We have a choice. What are we going to do? Are we going to live in peace? Are we going to live in fear and worry? I think we need to commit to withdraw from things, from people and situations that steal God's peace from our hearts. I'm one who signed up for this. I've, I've had some backslidings, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been totally perfect in doing what I'm preaching, but it's my goal. To not worry about anything and pray about everything and give God thanks. May we pray together. Father, I am so thrilled to see that this church has a great future. I am thrilled to see so many people out on a day when there's fear in the community and in our larger world. People say, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to gather with the family of God. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon each person here that what, what needed to be heard was heard by each person and that people will be able to take these truths from your word and apply them to their lives. God, I thank you for Pastor James. Lord, he's been faithful here since I've lived in Willard and, and uh, he's, he's uh, faithful to our city and faithful to his church. I pray that your will would be done next Sunday right here at at the Willard Church of the Nazarene, that your choice would be made. May your blessing be upon this church and this people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think I speak for all of us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for preaching. What God has laid on your heart is a very timely message for, for today in the season that we live in. I know it spoke to me, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I hope and pray, and, and, and I guess first of all, I want us as a body of Christ to commit to praying for adult and teen challenge, you know, and what's going on in this particular situation. So would you write that in your prayer journals and, and lift it up on a daily basis? We, you know... As somebody who lives in Willard, one of the things I'm most proud of was Adult and Teen Challenge. To see people set free of bondage and give their lives to Christ. And we need that. We need that in this area. You know about our drug history and everything that we, we struggle with here. You know, so we need that. And I hope in the future when it gets started back up that we as a, as a body of Christ can really serve and support that ministry more and more. So let's continue to pray for it and lift that up. But I just want to close us with prayer. Father, we thank for today. What do you think for Mike and Lisa, Lord, and all that they've done and all that they serve. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them and uh, give them wisdom uh, and show them the way. Lord, we give you this situation. It's out of our control. It's out of their control. But Lord, it's fully in your control. And so we entrust this to you and ask you to move in this situation. Father, I pray that you would change these people's hearts, that they would give this building back, Lord, and that it would be allowed to be used to your glory, Lord. We pray for these young women that have gone through this or these women that have gone through this, Lord. I pray that you would continue to speak to their hearts, 
Lord, I pray that they would give you themselves every day of their life, the rest of their lives, Lord, and that you would bless them and their families and all the people around them. Lord, I pray that uh, today we heard about so many people that were called by you. Lord, I pray that that would be on our hearts as we pray. Lord, what are you calling us individually, collectively to? Lord, I pray that you would lay something on our hearts, Lord, to do or to say or somebody to reach out to, Lord, and help us to be faithful. Lord, we just give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.